0: Unlike my head, my cell phone is not attached. And my mama used to say you'd lose your head if it wasn't attached. So I guess we won't never know. <laughs> I don't intend on attaching my cell phone. Did I tell y'all to come over here to Psalm 119? Yes. Okay. I want you to come with me to verse 18. So I don't remember which song number. It's either five oh five or three seventy two. I don't remember it was one of those. And uh, it was three seventy two? Okay. Well, the psalmist says here in Psalm one hundred and nineteen uh, is the longest section. I don't call it a chapter because it's a psalm, not a chapter. But okay. It's the longest single section of scripture that we have, 176 verses. And you know it's all about the word of God. It is an acrostic in the Hebrew. And so it's the Hebrew alphabet from Aleph to Ta, all 22 characters. And they get eight stanzas and all that. And anybody will tell you, well, it's all about the word of God. It is, but there's a lot of context in here. I'll give you a list of verses sometime and show you some context, but, you know, just initially, uh, oh, that's Psalm 118, no wonder I ain't going to find it there. Look at verse 5. Oh, that my ways were steadfast. He's crying out. Who's he talking to? The guy down the street or the Lord, you think? I think he's talking to the Lord. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. You ever been there? Steadfast. I mean, not moving, just holding to, not forgetting, not declining. I mean rock solid Man wouldn't that just think just think if you, if you if you could have that desire granted now wouldn't that be something <clears throat> just steadfast in obeying your decrees I just, I just see the wisdom in it. I just, I'd hang on to the, I'd hang on to the wisdom in it, and and I'd learn from it, and I'd pursue it, and man, it's just, I was right there on top of it, you know. When when God's calling, I'm already two steps into it. Yes, I know, it's headed that way. Man, wouldn't that be satisfying? <clears throat> well, it would. And by the way, this guy's writing the Bible here, so he's inspired. But the very fact that he's crying out for this—is he there? And not there. And listen here, what he's already said. I mean, he—he he hung himself. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless. I mean, that's fact, isn't it? What a blessing when their ways are blameless, whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. I mean, this is how they're living. The blessing is theirs. Blessed are they who keep his statutes. I mean, if God's given instruction, man, they are about it. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. Now, Lord, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Trust and obey. Well, there's no other way. to be happy, to find blessing in Jesus, right? We sang that this morning, didn't we? A psalmist would agree with that. I mean, those, those, those are rock-solid facts. And then he has this cry out, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. When I consider your commands, that the ones, the ones that I am not steadfast in, they wouldn't just flash before my eyes. They wouldn't just burden me. They wouldn't just put me to shame. I'll praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Really, he expects he's fixing to uh, flip a switch here, and every decree God gives, he's going to obey. Or is this a confession of willingness? I'm am willing to have steadfast ways. I'm willing. When you command, I'm willing to obey. Don't forsake me. No, I'm I'm willing. And come over here with me to verse 18. So I say that to challenge you. Read through there and get me about a dozen or two verses, I don't know, 10 or 15 anyway, that give you the psalmist context. I know he's talking about the law of God. And every eight verses, he's going to spend those eight verses talking about the law of God. And in Hebrew, they all start with the same letter. Every eight verses do. But come down here to verse 18. Verse 18. Here's another prayer. He keeps mixing in prayers with these statements of fact. Open my eyes. Is this a request? Mm -hmm. Who's he talking to? Lord. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Even, even, and he's talking about the law of Moses. Law of Moses, nobody else on the planet had what Israel had when they had the law of Moses. No, no, no nation had their stuff written down like this. It was an amazing thing. But it was even more amazing than that. Because it didn't just create a community or a nation, and it wasn't just about governing them, was it? It was about taking sinful people and giving them a very special, very intimate connection with God that the rest of the world just did not have. They didn't have it. God sent sunshine and rain on the righteous and the unrighteous from the flood forward. When He created seasons, but Israel had something with the Lord rest the world didn't have. They had covenant-related access and fellowship. It's something really special. The law provided that it provided them with the priesthood. It provided them with the altar. Which provided them with the tabernacle and eventually provided them with the temple. The rest of the world didn't have that. They didn't have that. And all the 613 commands, decrees, precepts, and statutes that undergird the 10 he gave them to start with, all of that is based upon the priesthood and its sacrifices. The rest of the world didn't have that. And this psalmist knew, no, there's stuff in here that's not superficial. There's stuff in here that goes beyond just animals dying. I I, I just... It intrigues me to think what even the faithful members of Israel, and especially the priesthood, what what did they think? Because I can't I can't find God told them in these sacrifices when they did them as prescribed, and he's and he said five times in one chapter in Leviticus chapter five, and he will be forgiven, 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 and he will be forgiven. You know what I'm starting to think? God's gonna be forgiven. Because an animal died? See, I think there's still this sense of longing as they're having these sacrifices that are indeed prescribed by God and the way God prescribed them. But the Hebrew writer said, the blood of bulls and goats never did take away sin. Not really. It didn't scoot it over a little bit and it didn't roll it forward. God forgave them when they sacrificed these animals, but they knew the blood of bulls and goats never cleansed the conscience of the worshiper the way ours is cleansed. What was afforded them in the law of Moses is not what is afforded us. There there is an intimacy, there is a confidence, there is a security, there is a certainty, there is an absolute that we are given in the word of God, and ancient Israel just didn't have it. If that system had accomplished it, Christ died for nothing. No. No, if that system had worked to bring about what God ultimately wanted, there would have been no need for another to come after that, the Hebrew writer says. But even when it was just the law of Moses, I mean, that was so much more than Abraham had, and he was a friend of God. That was so much more than Seth or Abel or Noah or anybody else had. But there were deep things in there, and the psalmist's concern is for his ways to be steadfast. And he said, you know the secret to that? There's things in here I'm not getting, and I won't help getting them. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And for us, it would be in your word. Well, this is the truth. There are things in the word of God that are not superficial. They're profound. And just with a a flippant attitude and a casual reading, you're not going to catch them. We're to be in deep pursuit of that. We'll be in deep pursuit of that. Come with me to Psalm one. That was all introduction. When I said the lesson would be short, that excludes the introduction. Here's the blessing. Does this remind you of of Matthew five? And the blessings we have. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who does not walk. That means live. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, the wicked or the, the standard and the avenue of the wicked is not his guide in life. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't take a standing for what sinners try to stand on. He doesn't defend what sinners believe gives them standing. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, or does he sit in the seat of mockers? That's a a designated increase. Mm -hmm. I'm not living life according to the world's standards. I'm not taking a stand on the world's standards, and I sure don't sit in a position of authority to defend the world's standards. So that's off the list. There's no blessing in that, but changing the standards. Changing the subject from that, and that's a designated chosen way of life that this guy has. He's blessed because he doesn't do this. This is not his way of life, but changing the subject, the blessed man doesn't do all those things, but his delight, no, this is the delight of his heart. This is the thing that is his joy, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, Why? Because there's deep things in there that even inspired writers are going to say, open my eyes. I don't just want to see the commands. I want to see what are they accomplishing. I want to see the message that is behind the command. You can belly it about having to sacrifice a ram if you want to, or you could, you could consider the fact that God wants you so desperately to be forgiven that He offers you a functioning priesthood, a functioning altar, and a ram to offer. Now, that tells you something about God if you listen to it, that God wants the same thing His people wanted, fellowship. But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law, He meditates. He meditates day and night. And I've heard lots of people explain that word meditate, and I don't remember what it is in the Hebrew right off the top of my head. But it's like a dog that's got a bone and he's chewing on it. He doesn't think for a second, unless it's pork bone or something. He doesn't think, it's says deer bone. He got a hold the deer bone. He ain't fixed to crunch that up like pretzels. He'll be there all day. He's just chewing. He just, oh, got a little chunk, and he just keeps chewing. He just keeps chewing. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Here's the reality. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, not superficial water, streams of water, water not surface water, not circumstances that are happening, streams of water, these things buried deep. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. That's a big deal to a Jew because if the Jews are faithful to keep their covenant, what God promised them, I will bless you. Your herd, your flock, your fowl, your kneading trough, your womb. Oh, you're going to have a bunch of everything. If you just keep my covenant, the world's going to look at you and go, what on earth would you look at those folks? What people has ever had their God close to them and in their daily walk like this people has their God? And they're going to want some of it. That's what the Lord said. Not so the wicked. They don't find blessing. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. That don't mean they won't be judged. That means they have no standing. When God's judgment comes, they don't have a place to stand. They don't have a standing. We have a standing. We have access and we have a standing in the grace of God before God. Jesus is our standing. We have a place to stand. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Don't pervert this and think, well, if anybody makes a mistake, the guy writing it made plenty of mistakes. I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about a way of life. I'm talking about a choosing My way is best. My lust above God's desire. Mm -mm. When sin is the chosen path, I don't mean when you commit it on purpose. There's not a sin. I don't guess that you don't commit on purpose. There's ones you commit in ignorance. You still did it on purpose. I'm talking about when you choose sin as the answer. This hole in my heart, this thing that I want in life, this peace with God, this this peace that I want This, the world is the answer for it that's a very different deal than making a mistake you see what I'm saying sinners those who've given themselves to sin those who look to sin for salvation and solution those who look to their own lust to be what establishes them and gives them standing before God hmm They don't have a place in the assembly of the righteous. They don't belong. They don't belong. Why is God? God's not obligated because of people's geographic location. And under this system, the law of Moses, try manipulating geographic location. Go into the wrong place at the wrong time and see what happens. Won't fare well for you. nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So that tells us the negative, but also the positive. The righteous, since there wouldn't be any of those except those to whom God's credited righteousness, and that would be those who meditate on his word and those who are, who are in covenant relationship with him. Because to be in good covenant standing with God is to have righteousness credited to you by your faith. That's just a fact. Sinners don't have a seat in the assembly, but the faithful do. The faithful do. That's something there to hang on to. God, Jesus Christ, came to give us the right to become covenant-related children of God. Why? So you have a place in God's assembly. Assembly is not something we're just accomplishing. It's something God affords us in his son. And on our own, we just don't have it. Here's the conclusion for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He guides them in it. He watches over the way of the righteous. He has given us the way. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That way is our way. His way is our way. He is our way. He is our life. He watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked, those who tie their desires to this world, those who live according to their desires in this world, those who fasten themselves to the ways of this world, There's no standing. There's no life. They perish. And so those are the facts that I wanted to put before you tonight. And really, all of that was an introduction to say this. My earnest prayer for us as individuals and I think I really do. I believe it's a discipline. I thought this morning, more Sunday mornings than not, for some reason I flashed back in my mind to when I was a little boy. And I don't care when you wanted to get up as long as it was after 4.30. And sometimes it might have been before that. And my mom and dad were up. And they had coffee cups and Bibles open and notebooks open, and they were sitting at the kitchen table. And they were studying. I never saw them give that much attention to anything else they did. Insurance forms and income tax included. Never. Not, not even Close. And I would have longed to have been at that table when I was almost their age. There's a lot of things they missed in the Word of God. But they knew it was important. And they didn't quit seeking, and they didn't quit listening, and it always helped them. And it helped them raise five kids that knew God was right and that the best thing you could ever do was to love him. And you should always be reverent and have gratitude toward him. And there was enough hope in that right there that before I threw my Bible in the trash, I gave it one more, one more run, and I opened it up, and I looked for any kind of hope whatsoever. And I found, in the first instance, deep things of God. I didn't know that. I just found a passage that said, We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. You can nail that down. That's a fact. And I thought, are you kidding me? I never heard that in my life. There's so many things in Scripture, brothers and sisters. And if if when times go well for us, Scripture's not the first place we run to. When times grow critical and, and it's... I mean, when life is at stake and life is on the line, when the scripture is not the first thing we run to, when we've had our worst day, when sin has had its way with us. No, those days, especially those days, if this is not the first place we long to, if this is not the the thing that we, we long for, that we hunger and we thirst for, then we're missing something. We're missing something. And I said I think this mindset is a discipline. It has been for me. And it's just come a little at a time. But, but since that cold night in December when I opened this book for the first time ever, really, that's not true, but it, it is. It's different. And I didn't have any hope. And I didn't wind up with security that I was going to have it. I just come to the conclusion that it might kind of possibly be available. And that kept me from giving up right there. I didn't know God was the God who gives endurance and encouragement. I didn't know Romans 15, 5. I was hung up there. I got a high center in Romans 5. But that's it. There are deep, deeply important things in Scripture, and you can't just gloss over it. And we've got to hunger for it. We've got to thirst for it. We've got to ask. We've got to seek. We've got to knock. Do not reduce Christianity to this hour of worship. God bless our hearts. We have done so much study on how often do you have the Lord's Supper and to make sure a not preaching, to make sure nobody's picking a banjo or playing a flute while we're singing. And I'm not for messing up any of those things. I just don't find anybody laying awake at night because of those things. I don't find anybody, I don't find anybody bound up in addiction that they can't get out of because they don't know when to take the Lord's Supper. I don't find that. I find people in those conditions because they don't know Jesus Christ is the solution. That he is the bread of life. That he is the gateway to the father. That he is the shepherd to bring you through the gate and call you through the gate and take you in his arms and carry you and protect you and feed you and guide you. And it's in here. It's in here. I want us to long for the truth that is in here. And all truth is not equally valuable. It's equally true. That would be a connection to what me and Al was talking about this morning. All sin is equally, it's not equally unrighteous, but all sin is unrighteousness, if that makes sense. All sin is equally sinful. No, the book doesn't teach that. All sin is sinful. The book teaches that. There are things of such great value in here. There are things, there are truths in here about our God. They're so precious and so powerful. They will give courage to our hearts. They will give courage to our hearts. They will give endurance and perseverance to our spirits. No, they will too. They will too. And this is what a world is longing for. And the way we figure out and we get a practical handle on what the world needs, because you know the world's problem? Here's a new flash. Their enemy is my enemy. Sin is the problem of the world. I do still sin, and I'm sorry for that, and I'm ashamed of that. You pointed out to me. I promise you, the first place I'm going, right here. It's taken me 30 years, I guess, to develop that, at least to the degree by that, that only by the grace of God. No, when you listen to the Father and learn from him, he will draw you to his Son, and when we let the sun be who the sun is, when He is the light of our world, that's not abstractly. No, He lights my heart. He lights my life. He lights up my life. We just sang a song of illumination. He gave us the gospel so we could be illumined. The light of the world, how do you get more illumination than that? Illumination not something that happens to me. He is a person. His name is Jesus, and in him, all these things make more sense. In him, all these things come together. In him, all these things find purpose and meaning. And God is trying to transform our thinking and our hearts and our lives. He saves us. You know why? Because he's got full intention of transforming us. Salvation is not something you're lacking in Christ Jesus. It's something that is your present possession. And if these, if these truths about God and this, this, this dedicated mindset of Scripture, if you, if you wonder or care or discouraged or if you have any fear about where you will stand on the day of judgment, 325-728-0965. I'm begging you to give me a call. We'll pray and ask God's help, and I'll get this to you in terms you can understand. I know I speak too fast. Some people say I've got an accent. I'm not convinced of that, but ever what? But God didn't complicate redemption. He absolutely, deliberately, emphatically revealed it and stated it. I love you very much, I thank God for the opportunity to be here and to share with you all. I do. It's very humbling, it's very humbling to me to be with you. And the older I get, the less I care about myself and the less important I want to seem and the more deliberate and practical I want to be, and so I don't think it goes without saying, brothers and sisters, I didn't move, I didn't move sixteen hundred miles because I need to change the scenery. My heart still pounds a little bit every time it rains. Al, still, I just think, man, are you kidding me? And I haven't lived the whole winter here yet. Everybody says I don't know why y'all giggling for about that, but. I didn't come here for the weather, brothers and sisters. I came here for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not kidding. I've got watermarks from the the brushing shoulders with and being exposed to evil that none of y'all want to know anything about. And I ain't afraid of it. I don't like it. I'm ashamed of anything that was my choice but I've been of spiritual benefit to people who have watermarks with evil that you don't even suspect exist. And I tell you that to tell you, my mouth doesn't fly open anymore. And the bigger Jesus gets in my mind, the less likelihood of that happening is. I hadn't found a sin. I've been with people that I know have created nauseating acts of sin. I know people who made a living from it. And ain't none of that bigger than the blood of Jesus. None of that. Bigger than the blood of Jesus. Uh -uh. He's real. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, so much. We don't know anybody like you. We don't know anybody who faced... Nothing. And spoke an entire universe into existence. We don't know anybody who has the capacity to gather up dust of the earth. To form it with his hands and then to breathe into it the breath of life. We never even heard of anybody with the capacity and the power to create human beings, living beings in their own image. I know all that, Father, and I—I I don't even—I can't even get a hold of that. That's so far over my head. I just confess it to you to admit that you alone are God Almighty. that same power and that same desire to give life. It's who you are, Father, and you can't ever change who you are. And you desire to breathe into us the breath of life all over again, every single day, Father. You guide us, you love us, you forgive us, you're patient with us. You've given your spirit within us. And he is the spirit that gives life our flesh in this world counts for nothing. It is the Spirit who gives us life, life eternal. Draw us to you, Father. Help us to develop the discipline to run to you, to, to be willing, Father, to let you open our eyes that we might see the wonderful things which are in your word for us, which are in your word of truth. The wonderful, the things that that cause wonder in our minds, the amazing things, the awesome things. We're, we're not trying to hide behind anything. Father, we are opening ourselves up to you. And that is a very unsettling thing to our flesh. I don't know why on earth we want to be in control when we don't know everything and we mess up on a regular basis. It's a vulnerable thing for us to come before you, Father. But we come before you now. We ask you, Father, to open our eyes to help us find the blessing, the blessing of the man in Psalm 1 who does not fear when a year of drought comes, who is, who is fed by streams that are so deep that the superficial things of life, the happenings of life, the events of life, don't touch the roots that feed us. Root us and establish deeply, Father, in your love, your love that transforms us, your love that has saved us. Continue, Father, to transform our minds. Continue to renew our hearts. Continue to bring courage and endurance to our spirit. We love you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for your family here. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity for us just to open the word of life and to look into it, to seek the deep, things of God. Help us, Father, in that. Guide us in that. Help us and guide us, Father, in some way, in any way, in every single way, Father, that will bring you glory. We thank you, Father, for listening to our prayer. You promised that you did. you hear us? And since we know, Father, that you hear us and we have confidence in that, then we know whatsoever we ask you according to your will that we have. And so I praise you for being a God who's answered this prayer already. We'll praise you again as we see it or understand it. It's offered to you now through whom it bled for us, died for us, and lives powerfully to intercede in our behalf in heaven itself right now that we pray these things. Amen. We love each other because God first loved us. God can't love you any more than he does. Jesus Christ can't be more powerful than he is. And so if you long for your ways to be steadfast, oh that my ways were steadfast according to your decrees. If we can help you as a family member tonight, we'd love to do that. You can let us know how we can help while we stand, while we sing.